I think we should just do a whole episode of Kid Talk. Kid Talk. Which, actually, if we did a Kid Talk episode, it would be way more popular than the Atlantic City Podcast. Howdy, everyone. This is Thursday, April 6th, 2017, and this is episode 41 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. I am your host, Kyle Askin, and I'm joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's going on, Craig? Happy to be here, as always, ready to talk about Atlantic City. That's pretty rude that I said I was the host, and I'm just joined by you. I think we're certainly co-hosts, and you've actually probably hosted more episodes than I have, if you want to say. Whoever reads the first line is the host. Meh. I'm fine with it. I'm not offended. (laughs) <laughs> others can be offended on my behalf yeah so uh the orioles are undefeated but they seem to also never actually play games so i don't know what's up with that yeah it's pretty ridiculous that it's been play game be off a day play game be off a day right all while at home which makes no sense so yeah, it's totally excessive and, and ridiculous but undefeated so far and better yet it was the blue jays we beat twice which i think <laughs> is probably my the team i would want to sweep the most out of all the teams yeah that's probably true um certainly the history i mean it certainly doesn't make up for the wild card game but yeah no no it's (laughs) certainly not but it makes me feel a little bit better on the inside that's uh i don't maybe the nationals just because of all the crap i hear about the nationals at work but probably like for you like the yankees just because of where you live but well, I never actually deal with Yankee fans, really, so I don't, oh. unless I go to the stadium. Like, there's just, people aren't really talking about it. Nobody at my work follows mm. it, so I never really hear about it. My work is all Washington fans, mm. whether it be the Washington football team or the Nationals, you know, and it's just incredibly annoying either way, so I root heavily against both of them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, I met up with uh, Dr. Mike from You Can Bet on That uh, last Wednesday night, I believe. Uh, for those of you who listen to that podcast, which you should, as I instructed everyone to do uh, last episode, uh, he came to MGM. He was in D.C. with his family, uh, just kind of seeing the sights, and he went to National Harbor last Wednesday, and since I live 25 minutes away or something. I figured there was absolutely no reason for me not to go down there and meet him. Uh, Of course, other than the fact that we were playing at a $50 craps table, as predicted by you, I think. Yeah, I joked about it, and I (laughs) I thought that that was an exaggeration, but I guess not. 50 bucks. Yeah, Yeah, it was was pricey. I don't know if there might have been some $25 tables around, but, you know, I came in after he got there, so I was just looking for him, and he was playing at a $50 table, so... I'm like, all right, I'll buy him for my 500 bucks and, you know, whatever. I'll lose all my money quickly, but I'll still stand there and socialize and chat with him. But instead, I got the dice, and I think I had like a 30 to 45-minute roll. Oh, so wow. That was very good for me. And then the guy to my left, who was also a listener, if you can bet on that, uh, I believe his name was Ethan, uh, stepped up. He had the all-tall-small. So oh, wow. So over $1,000 on, on <laughs> that bet. and. Yes. You know, another bunch of money on the points he hit. Uh, so, yeah, instead of me just losing all my money quickly, which is what I imagined, I ended up being 
quite far up in that trip, despite I think the rest of the rolls not being super great uh, after the fact, or after those first two rolls, but they were both so good that it ended up basically carrying me for the rest of the night. And I was there for a few hours, but uh, you have any questions for me? Well, we talked that. We talked about how you were due for a win. You were on a little I, uh, losing streak. Uh, we talked about it a few episodes ago. How you know? I, I understand what the odds are, and I understand how you know whatever gambler's fallacy and the fact that I was certainly not due for a win. But it was just it was nice to go in there, and when I left, being like, "Wow, you actually can win when you gamble." Sometimes <laughs> you can leave the casino with more money than you came it's, with. It's like I had forgotten that that was a thing that could happen. It has so, happened before, and it 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 happened at MGM. So. I want to. I did win quite a bit of money. Um, I have to say that if you do listen to, you can bet on that. Uh, Doctor Mike, I think, is exactly as you would imagine him to be. You know, quite gregarious, incredibly, incredibly friendly. Uh, just like I said, if you listen to that show, um, I think he was basically probably how you're imagining him. But it was it was really great to meet him. Uh, had a lot of fun at the tables. Uh, ended up winning some money so it was a great experience all around any different perspective about mgm i know you went first and the first time and what thought it was nice but didn't think it was really worth gambling there does winning change your attitude no (laughs) i i I don't know it's hard for me to imagine what would make me go back there um unless and and here's kind of like something else to talk about is uh this week i am off work because basically my wife is out of town she's in italy with her best friend just basically sightseeing and taking care of my kid and going to work each day i figured sounded like it would be a lot and i think now that we're four-fifths of the way through the week. I, I think it's kind of borne out. I think I'd be a crazy person right now if I was going in and dropping my kid off in the morning and going to work for eight hours and picking him up on the way home and doing that instead of kind of relaxing during the day. Um, so anyway, on Tuesday, for the first time in probably 10 years, I went up to Horseshoe in Baltimore and played some live cash poker. Well... Not the first time in 10 years you went to Horseshoe in Baltimore because it hasn't been true. there. <laughs> true. And it's not even the first time in 10 years I've played poker, but I think it's the first time I've played, I've played cash at a casino in, in a long, long time. So I mean, we've done, not a we've done We've done a couple tournaments together. Uh, well, we did one. We did one. We did one, one at Bally's. Well, we did one one cash game at Oh, uh, that's true. Poker room yeah, the, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. One but one. That was, I think that was our only session since I've been going with you that was not a tournament in poker yeah you're right you're right all right you called me out i'm a liar so that was probably like what five years ago yeah four or five yep so any but anyway i went up to to horseshoe and played some some one three uh it was good it was good i lost i was down like 70 dollars. i made a couple bad decisions i think that just were because i was rusty and um, I, I would like to think that like when I was playing more frequently in like 2006, 2007, I was pretty decent, but I'm definitely incredibly rusty now. And not only that, but poker is a totally different beast now than it was back then. Uh, I think people were absolutely horrible back then, but even sitting at the table, I felt like I was 
if not already better than most of the people I was sitting with, I, I would be very shortly. Um, so I don't know. It was fun. It's something that I'm considering doing tomorrow. Uh, so how was the poker game and poker room at Horseshoe? Well, it was like I got there at 1030 or something on Tuesday morning. So it was <laughs> pretty early. dead. There was one table going. Um, what did you play? So it was one, one three, no limit. Yeah. So they only had uh, one table and only no limit, no limit games, no nothing else. Yeah. Oh, well. uh, the only the only table they had was one three no limit. So I was like pretty far down the wait list. But at eleven, I guess the next shift came in and they opened up a second table. So that's what I started playing. There was also a hundred dollar tournament which I was considering entering. Um, just something about that. It was a two thousand dollar guarantee, and it only had like ten entrants basically. So that it was definitely a plus EV thing. But I was enjoying playing my cash game and. I didn't want to be the 11th guy that entered and made them split the table. So <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. It was, it was good. It was enjoyable. It's something that I'm considering doing again tomorrow, depending on how I feel and what I feel like needs to get done around the house before. Uh, well, my wife doesn't get home till late Saturday night, but before I am with Isaac all day on Saturday and don't have an opportunity to do anything. So you are you getting back into poker? Are you trying to sharpen up your game to play yeah. more in AC? Maybe. Um, I mean, the thing with poker is it kind of it's a big time sink, and I don't get to AC all that often. But I think I mentioned a few weeks or a few episodes ago on the podcast that poker has been something I've been starting to listen to some podcasts about. Um, I think that it is something that fits my personality and I would be good at just cause I mean, I don't, I mean, just cause you're in New Jersey, we don't play many games together, but I, I do play quite a few games like board games and stuff. And I think that I think about things in the correct way. And, and I, I could just tell when I was at the poker table, I mean, people weren't really thinking of, you know, people were thinking in like normal one, three terms, like, Hey, on the flop, you know, $10 is a small bet, like suspiciously small bet. $50 is a big bet instead of thinking about things in terms of like, you know, what your bet in compared to the size of the pot is. Um, so I don't know. I think that's definitely a, a pretty beatable game. I don't know about two five, but it's not something that I'm interested in trying out for quite a while until I have proven to myself that I am good enough to, to actually beat the one three. I was actually very card dead the the last like two or three hours I was playing as well, but I I got quite a quite a number of good cards at the beginning of the session. So I was actually having this discussion with our friend Dave um, just the other day about playing poker at the casinos, which is something that I do very rarely. I mean, I think I've only mm-hmm. done a couple of tournaments and played one cash game in the whatever now seven or eight years that we've been going to, to AC or that I've been going to AC and. What I said to him was, I always tell myself, or not always, but I used to tell myself, like, yeah, I'll go play poker. It's a really slow burn. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen me play. I'm incredibly conservative. <laughs> right. Um, but when it comes down to it, especially with a tournament, it's like, well, I could go sit down and play a tournament, and it could take three or four hours. Or yep. I could do literally anything else in Atlantic City. And And when I'm given that choice, I almost always choose, like just about anything else. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I like poker when I'm playing, but certainly the last tournament we did where I was in for quite a while, I think I was in for, I don't know, three hours or more. And then 
finished not too far out of the cache. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, well, that was a lot of time where, like, we had talked about going out to dinner, and then, like, we totally ran well beyond reasonable dinner time. That was when we mm-hmm. ended up at Bill's Gyro, uh, which... Yep. Just a is, note. Yeah, it's, it's closed. closed. It's not even in in your uh, agenda for today. But no, so we should mention. Yeah, that came up on Twitter. It's closed. There's a sign up saying "Go somewhere else down the street." I'm assuming that means permanently. Although who knows? Yeah, Maybe it just it means like, like for now we're not open. Go check out this other place. But uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound good. And we've gotten many reports on the Facebook group of people walking by and saying it is closed despite the never never closed sign so mm-hmm. uh i don't know it doesn't sound good for bill's gyro suvlaki i know and it's high quality too it's upsetting i think we all highly enjoyed our bills at 11 p.m when we went that we one random day yeah off season too, especially because it was the literally the only thing open <laughs> on the boardwalk yeah never closed like they said uh so that's kind of a, a harsh segue out of your casino reports <laughs> into some news, but do you want to go ahead and get into the other thing? Well, that well so before we do that, so so I, you you said that you, in the past, have not really played a lot of poker. Is it something you're kind of interested in doing sometime in the future, you think? Or is it just probably something that you're still going to end up being like, eh, I'd rather do anything else? Uh, well, I have the opportunity to play online poker in New Jersey and I have money in a party poker account just sitting there waiting for me to go play. And I just, it's just never something that I want to use my time on. Well, so I being a denizen of the internet also have the ability to play online poker, even if it's not, you know, technically legal. I have no idea what you're talking about, Kyle. Uh, Um, I do have an internet connection as well. So, but it, it's also something that I think I've done it like once in the last couple years. Uh, so it's not really something that is super interesting to me either. But I, I enjoyed my cash game kind of live experience. See, so for me, I think I'm. I do not think I'm a very good player. I have. I've had good runs at times with like friend mm-hmm. games and stuff, and and left feeling like. Good, and I feel like that's sort of a situation where it means that I'm just good enough to be dangerous to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think you can sort of talk yourself into thinking you're better than you are, and then you start making moves that are ill-advised or you have not thought out. Because I think eh. if you listen to this podcast, you recognize that I'm probably not as analytical as as you are <laughs> mm-hmm. about decisions. And it, I mean, the fact that I can barely calculate a craps payout should tell you that. <laughs> Things like, you know, the odds of what cards are going to come out are not my my strong suit. So, uh, and, and the biggest thing is, like, I very much like to bounce around and sitting down at a poker table, it doesn't, I don't necessarily have the attention span for that. So I think that's why yeah. I'm for a lo- I don't really see myself getting into a position where I think, oh, I'm going to go play poker unless I really committed to getting good at it and, like, Playing online ahead of time, reading books, uh, really honing my game, and I, otherwise, I just don't think I'm going to want to do it. My opinion is, you know, to me, it. I would guess that you know, like just like our friends Taylor and Dave, who basically exclusively, if they're not in a tournament, play limit. They play two, four, or three, six, or whatever. Um, you that seems much more up your alley as well. Yeah, so, but that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I mean, you could play No Limit. And, like, here's the thing. Like, are you going to lose that much money? Like, no, you really shouldn't. And I know that you said you're worried about, like, uh, like outsmarting yourself and, like, thinking you're good and, like, doing bad things. But it's all part of the process of learning and getting better and stuff. And, like, whatever. If you outsmart yourself and go all in, which doesn't sound like something you do. But if you outsmart yourself and, like, fold a better hand and, you know, lose out on a couple hundred dollar pot, is it really any different than outsmarting yourself and sitting down and playing blackjack and losing a couple hundred dollars? No, it's, it, I mean, it's, well, I'll say it is, actually. And the reason I'll say it is is because I have more fun with my blackjack time than with my poker mm-hmm. time. So, and so you mentioned the learning process, and I think that for that, for me to be able to have that mindset, I'd have to care about getting better. And right now, I just don't care about getting better. I don't have any sort of long-term poker goals. And so, you know, when I look around the casino and I have the option to go to the more exciting, in my mind, craps table or blackjack table where I'm probably going to lose more faster than I would in the poker room, even as a not very good poker player, uh, I look at the poker room and it even, you know, limit where you're not going to lose too bad or too fast. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't look like as people are having that much fun. Like some, I've certainly walked by the poker room at Harrah's and you just look around and you think everybody here looks like they're at work. Like this is not mm-hmm. <laughs> like a good time. It's not social. And so what I like about the casino is sort of the, the craziness and the uh, sort of attention deficit disorder inducing sounds and everything and when you go to the poker room it takes you away from all that so i don't know maybe as i get older and calm down i'll feel differently but i don't see it happening yeah uh i don't know i think it's just a difference in our personalities but like i naturally like anytime well here's the weird thing right like in blackjack like i will flat out admit like you know basic strategy down pat and i'm like 95 percent of the way there but you know basic strategy better than i do right like i i will occasionally have to ask you like i have 15 against a four or like saw 15 against a four do i hit or double you know mm-hmm. i actually something i know and you i, you I don't know, know that offhand uh right mm-hmm. now because i haven't studied it in so long uh-huh. but i there was a time when absolutely like any but, question i would have known yeah right but that's, like, not something that, like, I don't care about that last, like, 0.05% or whatever in blackjack. But just the fact that I think it's, like, the competitive nature of poker, that it's, like, you sitting down, like, across from someone else instead of, like, you know, if you want to think about it in gaming terms, you know, blackjack is PVE and poker is PVP. And just anytime like, I sit down and it's, like, competition time, like, I just naturally think about things in that way and try to improve and get better just because i think that's how i am so what pvp being what player versus player player versus player and pve being player versus environment uh yeah i don't know see i don't i don't even like it when i'm playing blackjack and somebody like makes comments about my play so mm-hmm. I'm always terrified that I'm going to do something stupid at the <laughs> poker table and somebody's going to be like oh you idiot and i mean I would argue that it's probably more likely that you'll get somebody's going to give you shit at the blackjack table than at the poker table. It, well, it is. I mean, <laughs> well, so like, here's the thing, like one of my like awful things I did is whatever I, you know, whatever there was $250. There's probably $300 in this pot. Um, and I had pocket jacks and the flop came out 
and you know, I'd raised pre-flop and there'd been two callers and the flop came out and it was like King blank blank. It was King six, two or something like that. And the first guy to act checks, I bet $50 into that pot. And then the woman to my left goes all in and it was like 75 more or whatever. And the, the first guy folds and then it's just me. And I'm, you know, I was thinking about it and I'm like, this is like, 75 to win 375 i'm like i'm five to one you know but like i don't know sometimes you're sitting at the poker table and i'm like i know she has a king like i know she has a king (laughs) right like i know it and i was talking to myself out loud there and i'm like if i call this is the worst call ever i mean i have literally a two outer like i needed one of the last two jacks that's the only way i can win that hand because i knew she had a king but i just like thought about it i'm like well she needs she only needs to not have a king like a pretty small percentage of the time for it to be an okay call but i don't know so i talked myself into calling and lo and behold she had ace king which is exactly what i thought she had (laughs) and i lost and i'm like I mean, the bet of fifty dollars was fine, but the last seventy-five dollars was just me catching it on fire. Yeah. She went, she went all in, so that was the the last seventy-five. But, but I mean, I, I was the one being like, if I make this call, I am a terrible player. And then I called anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've had those moments plenty of times. Yeah, it's just something that you know. I don't know. A lot of times when you're sitting down, like you can tell, like you're like, she has it. She definitely has it. Yeah, and to me, like... But then you just, like, think about the math, and you're like, she only needs to not have it, like, 15% of the time, and it's an okay call, but... Yeah, I mean, definitely there's sort of that... 100% of the time there, and then she didn't have it. The balance of sort of trusting your gut against the the math um, is an interesting portion of it, but... uh, And there is something to sort of... It's hard sometimes to talk yourself into like patting yourself on the back for a smart fold because a lot of times you're not going to even know if it was a smart fold because they can just muck. I think that's the point I'm trying to make is it's very hard to convince yourself to do something that's going to result in an unknown. Well, if you play one, three, there's very little mucking. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, players are not good. And I, I was guilty of it as well. I didn't muck too much, but it's more about building a rapport. And if I go back and stuff and, I don't know. It was just about getting my sea legs back under me. But I, I, I was kind of happy with how everything went, even though, like I said, that was a really bad call. There were a few times that I kind of whiffed on the flop, and I, I bet the flop anyway and got a call, and then I should have bet the turn, and I didn't, and I ended up just losing. Because... So, not to, not to talk shit mm-hmm. about you, because this is not my intention. But I no, do... No, no, no. <laughs> but but I... But I do, like, at least for me when I play poker, you always have a couple hands that you play back in your mind because they're the big losers, right? Mm -hmm. And since we already talked about baseball in the podcast, something that I think happens a lot with especially young pitchers when they come up and they get knocked around and, you know, whatever, they give up a couple home runs, like a three-run homer and a two-run homer, is they're like, well, I only made the two mistakes and they just happened to get hit out of the park. It's like, well, probably in reality, you made a bunch of mistakes, right? And just two of them happened to get hit for home runs. Or like, <laughs> in in reality, you made a bunch of mistakes, and one of them got hit for a home run, and then like one pretty good pitch got hit for a home run too. Right. Yeah, and that's that's entirely right. accurate for poker, right? Like you're gonna have the good yeah. plays. That no, no, no. Yeah, it's 100 yeah. percent accurate. I mean. The thing is, you 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 cannot be results oriented in poker. I mean, you can't be 
purely results oriented in the short term in poker. I mean, of course, in the long term, you you have to be results oriented. That's all you can go on. But in the short term, results mean not nothing, but very little. You just have to go back and think about your play and think about what you could do better. And, you know, the biggest hand I lost was pocket kings against, you know, a board of like 8-2-2. And I raised them pretty significantly pre-flop. And a guy ended up having a 2. He stayed in. stayed in with like, you know, I don't know, 10-2 or something like that. So, you know, that was just something that's like, eh, that happens, you know. So we ended up getting our stacks in and I, I lost. But that wasn't a hand that upset me because I, I did the right thing. So, right. I mean, I wanted to stack off there. So. <laughs> yeah all you can do is get your money in when you know you're ahead um, right. well i wasn't ahead but I, there was <laughs> well, no reason really. for me to expect the two there yeah and and I, I was the one leading the action but yeah any, anyway like one of my my big leaks that i need to plug is like i you know i had over cards a few times that i had raised pre-flop and then th- the board was all blanks and i i called or i bet on the flop and then there was like one caller and then i ended up you know checking the turn or whatever. And I, I should have fired again, I think, and, and fired larger. But, I mean, it's kind of a scary thing when you're sitting there, and especially when you haven't played in a while. But I think that's something I need to I need to be a bit more aggressive and kind of follow through. Like, I'm good at betting the flop if I miss, but I wasn't aggressive enough on the turn. Yeah, I mean, I've, that's certainly a problem for me. I, I always sort of feel like I don't know what to do on the turn. And I'm talking, I'm analyzing this like I know what mm. the hell I'm talking about, which I probably don't. But, um I'm going to keep going because that's what I do. Uh, it, like when the other sort of side of that is everybody falls into this rhythm of only analyzing the big hands, right? And thinking about, well, that big hand, I did it right. That big hand, I did it wrong. But there are a lot of small hands where that add up, right? Like a lot of little yeah. little hills build a mountain or well, whatever. That's, that's, that's the thing with, I mean, especially someone like I think – all of my friends basically are too conservative, which means like, yeah, they're going to win most of the pots they're in at showdown. But I mean, I think that like, I'm someone who's more aggressive and like, I'll pick up a lot of pots pre-flop or flop or whatever. And, and that's really what kind of adds up after a while. Yeah. And so, so sort of like missing out on your chances to buy a pot where it's Mm. where you think, or it's pretty clear that nobody has anything. Um, which is always scary, right? When you know that you've just got jack it's, shit, and it's, you're it's scary, man. And like those, there was it was twice that I should have bet the turn again, and I'm like, man, if he's sitting on something and he's just waiting to check raise me, like I'm just gonna get, like that's just gonna feel awful. But I mean, sometimes you just need to be like, yeah, I'm gonna bet, and if he raises, I'm just gonna fold. So, right. I mean, and that. I mean, I read Super System way back when we were in college, and and that was one of the biggest and first lessons in the book is you need to win these small pots. You need to be buying right. pots when you can, and that's going to make a huge difference in, in your game in the long run. I mean, I think probably if you're playing against professionals, like a lot, right. <laughs> you know, those lessons are very, very basic and they're not going to help you too much, but certainly I mean, in the, in the card room at horseshoe, this has <laughs> probably gone on like way, way too long already. And I'm sure like, are any of our listeners that are actually good at poker or like, Oh, yeah. their eye. they're yeah. like they're like dizzy because their eyes were rolling so much <laughs> during our like fairly not advanced thoughts on yeah. poker and they're halfway through a thir- 30 paragraph email yeah <laughs> right but uh oh but it's just i mean it's just it's it's scary and it feels like it sucks when you end up just like 
being like the right play for me here is just to, I'm going to bet fold. Like I'm going to bet and if it gets raised, I'm folding. But I mean, you know, honestly, it's, it's better. I'm sure a lot of times compared to, to check folding. And, and it's something that like for me, like I'm fine, like pre-flop, I have no problems opening. I have no problems being raising and being like, yeah, if I get raised again, I'm just, I'm just folding. But you know, when it's like, by the time it's the turn, it's like, pretty significant amounts of money but I, I still don't think it's wrong to just go in and be like well i'm gonna bet and if i get raised i'm folding yeah i that's probably more advanced than i can really talk to so, <laughs> so well anyway I, like i said I, I had a lot of fun i think i learned quite a bit um but you know my sample size right now is not particularly large like i said i i ended up i played for quite a while i ended up down 70 bucks which in one three i don't think is a whole whole lot but no it was it was a good time. It was a you know I was happy to spend seventy dollars on that five hours of entertainment and eat some pizza and had some drinks and it was a it was a it was a nice way to spend a Tuesday when I was off work. So I may I may end up going either back to Horseshoe tomorrow or maybe to Maryland Live because I hear that has a very nice poker room which I've never played in. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I enjoyed it. I'm, it's something that I'm interested in doing a bit more often, but realistically with where i am at life you know having a having a one and a half year old it's it's not like that often i'm gonna get the opportunity so anyway let's move on to the news i think <laughs> yeah this try is to a, try to blow through it since we're like what 35 minutes in now yeah. to the poker episode yeah um, but that's something that we never talk about so if you have yeah. if you have comments it's not only something that we never talk about but i feel like it's something that like at least like don't get me wrong. There's tons of poker podcasts if you like poker, but like kind of the general gambling podcasts, like never talk about poker basically or it, very rarely. It feels like a separate subset of people, right? Like they all like casinos and they're all in the same casinos, but people who play poker tend to be very much poker players, people who gamble at tables and slots. Like there's much more of an overlap between slot players and table players, <laughs> right? I, mean, Which, I don't know I, if that's true. I will say I suspect that slots and poker have very little overlap. Yes, absolutely. I think that they both of those overlap with table game table players. I would guess that there are more but people. Poker who... players like playing them some some craps and 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 stuff like that. I think. Yeah, but I would guess most poker players say like their reason for going to the casino is is to play poker, and they're thinking yes. about the game on a level that uh, we've probably just disgraced with our last half an hour of, right. of conversation, but. Um, I don't know. Fun to talk about at the very least. And if you have yeah. comments, feel free to yes, please post them. Let, let me know that I'm an yeah. idiot. I would love to hear it. Um, um, yeah. Let's do some news. Yeah. Let's, let's try to blow through some news. Um, I mean, some major things happen, but you know, I don't think anything like super new or exciting has come out. So hopefully we can get through it quickly. So, all right, last episode, I think you, you were t- we were talking about uh, some brewery moving into uh, the little water distillery space, but you didn't know exactly what that distillery was <laughs> off the top of your head yeah, or where it was correct? from. Yeah, yeah, I'm just woefully short on details. Um, so, do you want to you want to fill in some of the blanks? Yeah, luckily Christian Hetrick uh, from the Press of Atlantic City is an actual reporter and and got actual <laughs> information <laughs> on like me. Uh, so, I'll link to his article. Uh, it is DeWalt Brewing Company, which uh, is moving in actually adjacent to Little Water Distillery. I think fairly quickly, they got a million dollars in tax credits from the Grow New Jersey program. That's 
spread out over 10 years. They hope to open in July. So we're talking, what, three months uh, to get this thing done. Um, yeah. It will include an outdoor beer garden. They right now brew three beers as their main sort of, or I guess two beers and a cider, a noisy lever ale, which is a German style lager, Ruby Diamond IPA, which is an IPA brewed with orange peel or an orange peel blend. And then they have a mixed berry apple cider, which is alcoholic, of course. They're planning to expand their line of beers after they move. Um, but obviously the turnaround, I mean, this news just came out March 28th and they're talking about making this happen pretty fast. So this move from Reading, Pennsylvania, which is where, where they're coming from to right around litter water, uh, should be happening fairly soon. So what do you think? Do you, does this excite you? Do you want to do a tour? I know you mentioned that you like drinking at breweries. I do. As uh, as you know from your bachelor party, perhaps I like <laughs> drinking at breweries too much. <laughs> yeah, um, so, I don't remember yeah. much of that. I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> me either. I remember being all right. No, anyway, let's, let's stay. Stay. <laughs> We've already kind of wandered too far off the rails. Yeah, there was no gambling at my bachelor party, so let's there was keep no going. there was no gambling, but there was certainly drinking um, and ping pong but I was sleeping during most of ping pong <laughs> on bleachers. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'd love to, to kind of do a tour, have a few drinks. Um, something else I saw, I, I think it's like 25 minutes, half hour away. There's another brewery kind of in little egg Harbor township, I think, or regular egg Harbor township, uh, not too, too far away from Atlantic city. So, but I, I generally love breweries. Um, but something else I have to say is, you know, when we get to the 50th episode, I think it just needs to be like you reading down like either press releases or like lists of just information, like specific information about stories, like all the different beers they have, like what they're <laughs> brewed with. Like it's very specific or like really our 50th episode should just be like you reading the uh, Kiss Kiss a Go-Go press release. Like it <laughs> oh, was brilliant. Well, what are dispassionate dancers? Is that yeah, yeah, with like lips, lipstick, lips, yeah. lipstick, something, something. I still don't know what the hell dispassionate means. Um, uh, we'll, we'll work on that. I'll find some Atlantic, old Atlantic City phone book or something, and and we'll do it. Uh, I do enjoy it. I don't know why. It's a stupid yeah, thing. Just... To, add that to the list along with making indoors look like outdoors as stupid things, things that Craig likes. Things you like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, so I'm excited about this because for a couple of reasons. One, I like beer and I like breweries. Uh, this is so this is going to be the first sort of legit full brewery in Atlantic City. There is Ton Tavern, which is a brew pub. They have a very restricted license that says they can brew on the premises and sell on the premises. I think they can also sell growlers and distribute at things like beer festivals like AC Beer Fest. Uh but they can't distribute wider than that. So DeWalt will be able to distribute much wider, even beyond state lines. Uh, I really like that this is right next to Little Water because it creates sort of this booze district, which I think is cool. And hopefully this is the start of something bigger, whether that's, I don't know, what we've talked about with 
booze on the boardwalk or sort of Atlantic City's version of Bourbon Street or just attracting more brewers and distilleries into Atlantic City. Uh, the thing that I, I, I don't know how what the economics are like for breweries, but for something like a brew pub, it's entirely reliant on the local market, right? Like that you have to get people in the door. They have to order food and beer. The brewery is going to have sort of income, obviously from the tasting room, but they are, they're distributing. So it's interesting because, you know, if you talk about sort of the difficulty to attract people to non gambling things in Atlantic city, like they don't necessarily have to rely upon that. So to me, it's interesting from that aspect. Um, and I'm guessing a tasting room will do better in Atlantic City than in Reading, Pennsylvania, although I don't know much about Reading, Pennsylvania. So it'll be interesting to see how well it does. Yeah, um, it's definitely something that, that I'd be happy to check out regardless. And, and hopefully they do well and, you know, hopefully they end up deciding it was a good deal. I mean, with the size of the, the, the tax breaks they're getting, it seems like it should be, especially <laughs> like, you know, does it really matter like where that is i mean obviously atlantic city is probably better than reading just because there's more kind of tourists coming in but i I think it makes sense yeah um hopefully it's something that makes people excited and and they go do it uh i i definitely want to go uh when it opens so i'll go i'm in so want to move on from things opening to things closing yeah (laughs) so I actually independently saw this story. It just came out today, right? Yes. About uh, the crafter's village at Gardner's Basin uh, is being forced to shut down by the National Park Service, basically because uh, I I believe the Gardner's Basin is on National Park's land. Is that right? It's it's funded by this Green Acres grant. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's funded with National Park's money and and i guess in conjunction with the depart the state's department of environmental protection i'm not sure exactly how green right. acres work but basically they got funding for park related mm-hmm. stuff for that area to build okay. it up yeah right so so anyway uh, basically what these sheds are it's, it's basically like little shops that sell i guess generally like knickknacks dolls jewelry stuff like that and in the story that i read i'm not sure if it's the exact same story you have you have linked but you know, someone from the state or the federal government said that, yeah, like this is not an appropriate use of this land. Like selling jewelry is not appropriate, but if it was a bait and tackle shop, that would be appropriate because it kind of helps contribute to recreation. So, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like, you know, from what I read about it, they're still going to try to appeal this and at the very least get this uh, pushed back a year that they have to move because all the shop owners have apparently already bought inventory for this summer coming up um but i don't know we'll see i mean from what i read it sounded like nothing was kind of set in stone it was just the initial notice was given yeah and that well the the retailers were told to pack up their shit and get out basically i mean the person who i think owns the or runs the crafters village sent out a notice to all the i think it's only 10 vendors saying look we got this notice you got to get your stuff out and turn in your keys. It sucks, but, but yeah, but it sounds like they're going to, they're appealing or whatever. It doesn't sound like that's necessarily a done deal. Yeah. The city's looking for alternate solutions. Apparently the little shacks are fairly mobile, so they may be able to move them somewhere else. Um, they may be able to, like you said, appeal to delay it a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, one interesting thing 
and how it sort of relates to the last story is that the Park Service had actually nixed Little Water Distillery moving to Gardner's Basin for the same reason, because of the Green Acres grant saying, like, well, distilling alcohol doesn't really contribute to <laughs> the park's mission. It doesn't sound like what the yeah. National Park Service wants. It's it's recreation. I don't know. Yeah. Drinking. That's my recreation. Um, yeah, so man. so it's, it's disappointing. I've never been over there, um, so I can't really say too yeah, much. True. But certainly when Paul you... Paul and I have been. But the... Crafters were probably not open at that time. No, it was um, like 8 a.m. in December or yeah. something, so it's not uh, prime time. But, I mean, it's it's sad because it's something that I always had on my list, and specifically the Crafters Village, for something on a trip with my wife that would be cool to just pop over mm-hmm. to, maybe get breakfast over there at Gilchrist, and then walk through, because um, it always looked kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the aquarium's supposed to be nice. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what Bill and Eleanor told us, I think. Yeah, so it's... Uh, and it, you know, you look at pictures of it, and it's sort of this like cute little, it's these cute little shacks that sell stuff. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> interesting. So uh, sad. Hopefully, they figure something out that's not too disruptive for these these vendors because it seemed like it was fairly popular, or at least people thought it was interesting. So, yep. um, keep going. Move on from that to yep. Harris. So run with it. Harris Food Court um, is going away. Is gone. They have already put up temporary barriers. Um, Snickers99 Poker on Twitter let us know with a tweet about this. Uh, Initially, he had heard from, I guess, a security guard that it was going to become a, I think, a guy's chop house or something like that. But by the time he left uh, his trip just a couple days later, they had already had the temporary barriers up with logos for what's actually going to be there which are Guy's Sandwich Joint, S-A-M-M-I-C-H. So I hope your eyes are rolling at appropriate Classic levels. Classic Guy Fury. <laughs> um, I'm sure there will be donkey sauce on everything. And Pinup Pizza, which uh, Pinup Pizza is, I think only has one other location, which is in Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. They specialize in enormous jumbo slices, which if you're... From the DC you area, grew up in the you know. DC area you're familiar with. <laughs> yeah, you know from Adam's Morgan. If you're of a certain age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Hoboken has Jumbo Slice at one place, and and New York City has them. Coronet Pizza up around Harlem is very good Jumbo Slice, but that's not what you're here to hear about. Uh, so it has four stars on Yelp. It's supposed to be very good. I don't know how relevant Las Vegas's location is to AC, mm-hmm. but presumably. It will be a good place to grab a giant slice after you go to the pool after dark, which is what this is directly across from. <laughs> so, so for reference, how many stars does Secret Pizza have? Uh, I do not know. Mm. You can't just ask me that with no warning. Come I mean, on, I'm going to look it up right now. But yeah. I, I bet it's I bet it's either four or four and a half. I don't think it's that high. You don't uh, think so? You think it's, it's like three and a half. Well, I don't think it's four and a half. It is four. Okay. Uh, which. Way more reviews, I think, of Secret Pizza than Pinup. But uh, so I don't know. Do you, are you? I thought the pizza at the previous place was fine. I didn't think there was anything to write home about. I mean, I don't remember getting it ever. So interestingly, we talked about the generic movement at Harrah's, mm-hmm. and this goes the other direction. So yeah, they had generic donut shop, generic so, pizza shop. Yeah, it's and, score one in the in the court of them just breaking up with the. Uh, be our guest hospitality. Be our guest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I don't. I mean, I'm. I'm happy. I'm always happy to have named things because um, I think it's more exciting than 
something like Harris Donut Shop. But I do wonder if we're reaching Guy Fieri's saturation. I don't. I mean, so Guy's sandwich I, I joint. Hope so. <laughs> so Guy's sandwich joint does not exist anywhere else. So this is a first, at least as far as I could tell. Um, so I think you just made your answer pretty clear. But does AC well, need more Guy? I so. I will say, and if you're a longtime listener of the show, you might remember me saying this, but as much as I love to, to hate on him, when we went and ate it at the Horseshoe in Baltimore, uh, at whatever the Guy Fieri restaurant is there, the actual sit-down restaurant, not the one in the food court. American whatever grill. Or yeah, whatever it, was, it was pretty decent. It wasn't awful. So I will say that I'm sure that this is probably going to be fine too, but it, it is an awful lot of guy Fieri. Yeah. I mean, it's, so the thing about this one is I'm sure it's more in vain of guys barbecue joint that's it, it bally's, which is, uh, basically, if you want to know more about it, just be anywhere on the boardwalk oh, uh, near bally's and you will <laughs> every 10 seconds hear the guy's, barbecue advertisement that, yes. that Bill from Route 40 could recite, I think. Uh, yes. His impression was extremely good, so we'll give him credit for that. Uh, so that that is more of a stack. It's a walk-up order. They give it to you on a tray, and you take it away, you know, a snack stand. <laughs> so this, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be similar to that. So I, I don't know. I mean, whether Guy's name is on that or not, like, does that really make a difference? But I don't know. I guess it's no different than having any other sandwich shop there. I don't, yep. Do you prefer a guy's sandwich joint to sack of subs? Pepper steak? <laughs> will, it have, will it have peppers? <laughs> will it have a pepper steak? Will it have a... Have we explained that inside joke? Oh, yes. Like we've the explained ultimate... the pepper steak. Okay, good. It's the yeah. ultimate inside joke between me and Craig. It's not as good anymore since sack of subs is gone. But... Right. Yeah, in case you missed it, the very, very short version is that I ordered a pepper steak and it was 98% absolute bottom of the jar really soggy gross peppers and yeah, very, very it's little like steak you just dumped the bottom of the jar onto yeah. the bread and it was like 80 percent liquid and 20 yeah. percent peppers it was inedible yeah it was bad so <laughs> so we have frequently joke about getting a pepper steak and we will randomly g-chat each other saying man i'm really craving a pepper steak from Sacramento. it hasn't Sons, happened in a while but yeah it especially closed. like it like two years ago that was like the go-to well maybe two years from now it will be man i'm really craving whatever <laughs> smothered in donkey sauce like with extra when you, sauce when, when the next time we go to harris you'll get some sandwich and it'll have like it'll be like 80 percent donkey sauce 20 percent meat yeah it'll be like one chicken tender on like a giant piece of bread and just like drenched in donkey sauce. <laughs> I can't believe we're sitting here besmirching the sterling reputation of guy. Uh, oh man. But anyways, right. I think the main point is just the generic thing that we wrung our hands about so much, maybe not, maybe more be our guest related than this. Yeah. Some grand scheme to, to take everything over themselves. Yeah. Although it seems like, I mean, do we know that it seems like Caesars and Guy are in pretty close cahoots? Oh, yeah. They, they might have a share of all that anyway. So I, I don't know if it's totally. Yeah, and we've seen that yeah. with uh, with Gordon Ramsay. Is like he has yep. a deal with Caesars that says he has to open X number of restaurants. And it's pretty specific, I think. Um, one of the Vegas 
blogs um, posted it, but uh, I'm assuming they guy, had some. Guy hasn't beat, I think, since he has basically two restaurants in every <laughs> yes. property. Yeah, good point. It's a uh, lot. It is a lot. Restaurants. Uh, All right. But I, I don't know. I yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I, was just, I don't know how much he has in Vegas. It seems like it's mostly AC and then they're well, like Baltimore Maryland, is Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, like non-Vegas properties. But right. anyways, let's, let's, do you let's move on. Very, very briefly talk about the fact that 10 has a casino open. Online. Online. Not and for play money. Yeah. So before you get too excited, uh, it is what they're calling a social casino, which just means oh. you play and... It says, like, James T won $10,000, which means nothing because it's play chips. Uh, yep. So a quick tip of the cap to Mark C and the Facebook group for pointing this out. Uh, I'll link to an article about it. I did not go on and play because, honestly, like, who gives a shit about a social it's casino? Yeah, I, I don't even play Caesar's social casino on on Facebook. The only, only My Vegas for you. Only My Vegas because you play and you win real rewards, Kyle, as the advertising says. Uh, I haven't actually been playing much My Vegas lately. So, I don't know. Any thoughts? Social Casino? I mean, nope. it would. None. You don't. Does this change your opinion at all nope. about, like, clearly they're moving toward opening? You don't think it. Nope. Don't you, care. This nope. affects nothing. You don't nope. even take this as a positive sign of marketing? Nope. Mm. I, I'll take it as, like. I, okay, yeah. It's. It seems. It's something, right? They've yeah. done something. It's literally more than nothing. <laughs> Right, like that but is that the is the only about. good thing I can say about yeah. it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, what about things moving much more toward actual stuff happening? Yeah, so so the you know something we've talked about the last few episodes, Taj Sale has actually finalized a bunch of the the big wigs, I guess, from uh, Hard Rock came up and did a press conference where they talked about all of the renovations that they are. Uh, going to do to the property on Wednesday, uh, including a complete renovation of all the guest rooms, which do you know how many there are, Craig? It's quite a bit, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, I want to say it's 2,600, but I'm totally pulling that number. That's a lot. Uh, Like redesigning and doing a complete remodel of the casino floor, all new restaurants. I mean, it's so it's basically everything that was there is getting renovated, it, it sounds like. Uh, the only thing I, I remember they said that they're like, yeah, the facade outside is kind of fine, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're going to do a ton. They're power <laughs> That's the washing. only thing that it sounds like they're not totally renovating. Yeah. Uh, let's see how many rooms. 2,010 rooms. Yeah. So it's a lot. 2,600 was too many, but uh, over 2,000 rooms. They said Jim Allen, the CEO, uh, or the chairman, was very, very clear that this is not just replacing the linens. It's not just replacing the mattresses. This is a full redesign of the rooms, full refreshing of the rooms, um, a renovation of the rooms, not a refreshing, but a renovation. Uh, he also, you will appreciate this said that they are doing a complete rede- redesign and complete remodel of the casino floor. One of the things he mentioned that the casino floor is a little weird because even though it's enormous, there are, walls that create strange narrow passages and he's not a fan of that trop actually has that issue very much so yes um, so they're gonna seems like they're gonna totally gut that thing and and do it up in hard rock style uh which i'm assuming will mean a much more open layout 
They're having all new restaurants, which would not come as a surprise to anyone. Um, what does this mean for White House? Good question. Who knows what's good? that? <laughs> that area is so far off to it's, off the. Yeah, you want to talk about like weirdly designed areas? That whole spice road. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, we'll see what happens with all that. But the number yep. three hundred seventy-five million dollars for renovations is high, way higher than what we heard before. They said three hundred. Yeah, when it was three hundred total between yeah. purchase and renovations before, right? Yeah. So I wonder if they got in there and said, "Wow, this place is huge." We. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm assuming they did their due dil- <laughs> diligence on that before they bought. <laughs> Holy crap! This is. I thought we bought the Trump Plaza. It's much smaller. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so. A couple other interesting things he said, uh, Jim Allen said, were that they wanted to uh, announce and and come up and say it was done when something was actually done and happening. And he specifically said how frustrating it was or how frustrating it is in any market when something gets announced and then you just never hear about it again, which is something we talked about last episode as a concern about basically any new development. but. You know, that happened with the original plans for a water park at Atlantic Club. So I, pr- I sort of appreciated that. Like, I almost took it as sort of a nod to the people who follow development in Atlantic City of, like, you guys have been teased so many times. <laughs> like, we're, and we're actually here and the purchase is complete and, and stuff's happening. So so that was cool. Um, he also mentioned they're not changing the name of, of Mark Edis Arena. I don't know if that really affects anyone, but Mark Edis was an executive at the Trump Taj Mahal who died in a helicopter crash. So they're not changing that out of respect. Uh, But one thing he did say about the music venues is obviously it's hard rock. They can attract big names and they plan to attract big names all throughout the week. And he said Atlantic City has turned into a one and a half night town uh, and he wants to make sure that it's going to have live entertainment all week long. I thought that was interesting because I think that's definitely true. It's pretty rare that you get a midweek concert in Atlantic City. And typically, if there is one, it's a huge, huge show that is at Boardwalk Hall. It's not uh, one of the casino shows. So it would be very cool if, I mean, especially off-peak, I'm assuming in the summer this is going to happen, no problem. It'll be interesting to see if when October, November, December roll around, if they're still having Wednesday night shows. But if they're attracting big names, people will come. So that should be cool. Uh, any thoughts about Hard Rock? I actually watched the the press conference, which was very much of a party. It was like, yeah, look, we've got a Bruce Springsteen cover band and little Steven, Steven Van Zandt, uh, <laughs> who is in The Sopranos and is in the, the uh, E Street Band with Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. He was there to talk about it. Uh, so it was interesting. It was very sort of like, this is how awesome Hard Rock is. This is how we're going to kick ass, which, uh, you know, a lot of it was just kind of corporate BS, but still cool to see the first inklings of a plan. The corporate BS, it kind of worked. I'm, I feel slightly more excited for Hard Rock than I was before. So, good. I mean, I don't really have too much else to say. I mean, we're still pretty long way off from it actually opening, but... I'm excited. Yeah. Let's move on from Hard Rock. Hopefully we'll see some stuff happening there with them knocking down pillars and replacing room stuff, furniture and all that stuff very, very soon. Uh, no, no opening date, by the way. 
Don Guardian again said something about 2018, but yeah, summer of next year is what seems to be said over and over again, right? Yeah, but they—I don't think they said anything specific. Yeah, I would—I would guess it'd be slightly before. They'd be aiming for like just before Memorial Day next year. That's what I would be aiming for anyway, if I was right. them. But it's such a huge project that who knows what what's going to get delayed. So they may be non-committal right now to any sort of set timeline mm-hmm. for summer. Cool. Showboat. Showboat. So much maligned showboat. Much maligned on the podcast and outside of it. Uh, so they have announced, I guess, what they're doing with the property, right? So, well, certainly a big portion of the property. Hundred fifty thousand square feet of the property, which seems like a lot of square feet. Uh, they're going to turn it into uh, an area called the Atlantic City Fan Expo that is designed to attract millennials to uh, the boardwalk to Atlantic City, I mean, to the showboat specifically, I guess. Uh, basically, what they seem to be trying to do is, um, from looking at their website, they're going to be running uh, basically like mini conventions every single weekend during the summer this summer uh which is not very far away um though they're they're, it's definitely very very short on details um which you can buy passes to eat like individual conventions if something's interesting to you or get a summer pass and be able to go to all of them uh it's run by a company out of indiana called venturist partners uh which there is definitely not a lot of information on uh but you know, we were talking before the show started about how it was kind of weird that a company out of Indiana got this contract for Atlantic City. Um, but some of the things they mentioned were that it's going to be have a, you know, they're going to convert the House of Blues into an esports arena of all things. It's going to have board games, video games, cosplay, anime, kind of all the normal stuff you'd expect out of something that's going to be basically like try to be a convention every weekend. Uh, they're turning the volleyball courts into the Sandlot Beer Garden with, uh, obviously, beer, live music, movies, uh, general entertainment. Um, so, yeah, this is a lot. Uh, I will say that once this got announced in the Facebook group, people definitely seemed underwhelmed, though it was probably mostly the demographic that they were not aiming for that was un- underwhelmed. I don't know. Do you have anything to add, Craig, before we talk a bit more about it? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously been bullish on esports. We've talked about comic cons, and I mean, I'd certainly be interested to see what this means. Um, quick quote from Derek Pugh, who is a partner in Venturous Partners, since you know I love to read quotes. Uh, we wanted to create the most perfect shore experience we could, someplace we would want to spend all our time, and someplace our children would want to spend all their time. So it's interesting. Um, they are not being shy about the millennial marketing on this. They are running one, a, a sort of mini convention every weekend from Memorial Day to Labor Day, which is 15 weekends. It only gives them about six or seven weeks to right. Memorial get Day this thing month. up and running. Um, so I'm interested to see where this goes. Like I'm, I feel like my concern is obviously that it's short notice and it's a lot. Like the scope it's, is just enormous. I mean, how how. Uh, I mean, this, it seems so ambitious. It just, my initial impression looking at all this is like, they're not going to be able to do this. Like they're not going to be, have like 15 
conventions basically this summer that are actually going to have like any people attended. Can they? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. It's such an like insane some, marketing. At challenge. least some have to be total duds, or just will end up being canceled. Like that's just my gut feeling. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe there's sort of semi permanent aspects to the the individual cons. Like maybe there's yeah, some vendors be. that are there all there's the time. There's going to be vendors that are good all fifteen. That that certainly makes sense. But but like you said, I mean, there are very few details. We don't know the pricing for either the weekend passes or the full summer pass. We don't know what any of the themes are, although obviously comics, board games, video games, um, anime were all mentioned. Uh, the e-sports thing would imply video gaming, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be interested to see what the schedule is. I think one of the things that, that we've talked about and that I talked about with our friend Andy, just in sort of kicking around the ideas of what, I think the website went live either last night or this morning, um, and just kind of has some general stuff about what they're sort of who they're aiming at without a whole lot of detail about what's very, happen. very general. Yeah. Uh, very short on details is, is what you just said, which is like, how do you do this 15 weekends in a row and drum up starting in like six weeks? Yeah. And drum up the attraction to, for, for every week, for every weekend. And I don't, it's it's a, it's a tough marketing challenge, so I'm interested to see what they have up their sleeve. If it's going to be really cool stuff, it's, or if it's going to be sort of smaller, where and it's going to be cheap enough to get people in the door. Um, I mean, who knows what their deal is? I'm assuming it's some kind of lease deal with Showboat. So who knows what they need to do to be profitable? A uh, lot of questions. A lot of questions. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Wait, wait we'll consider kind of having the, those people on and asking them some questions. But my like very initial impression is like, this is what someone would do if it was like a 50 year old guy who wears a suit and is like looking at spreadsheets and is like, wow, like these conventions, like this is really big business. Like we need to do that. Well, I mean, the first thing I looked at, like you mentioned, they're out of Indiana. So obviously a question would be, you know, what, what sort of like leads how, to this connection, right? you know, I mean, and maybe that's something as straightforward as they've been, looking to do this in atlantic city a long time and <laughs> but who knows um or they already have some relationship with with Blatstein or so, something yeah um or it's just that it was cheap and it was an opportunity who knows but uh yeah i mean i think the first thing i went to look and see if i could figure out is what had venturist partners done in the past that would give us some idea of what their acumen for this is and it, it there's just nothing out there so it's it's really tough to make any sort of judgment or assessment. I mean, I am, am optimistic about it just because maybe because we know nothing about it and I want it to be good because I want something at Showboat to be good. <laughs> um, and I think, and maybe also optimistic about it because it's so in my like wheelhouse for things that I'm interested in. So I'm, I'm letting my imagination run wild and thinking like, Oh man, like I want to see like a little mini comic con or I want to see video games. Like I want to see them have everybody come and bring their Nintendo switch and everybody will sit around playing each other in whatever Nintendo switch games are out, which right now there aren't really any games that make that possible and not enough people have a Nintendo switch to even make that possible because you can't get them in stores. Um, so clearly I'm like totally letting myself uh, get ahead of the facts here, which probably does not surprise anyone who's listening. Uh, but 
I'd be interested to see how this unfolds. Obviously, we're going to have to get details incredibly fast because the turnaround is very fast. Um, and I think, to me, the biggest thing I just want to know is how are they going to market this thing? Because it's it's a huge project. I mean, it's so much it's so much time to fill and this, so much this is yeah this is the problem i mean i would be incredibly excited if if this was a thing that was happening and they're like we really think that like esports and 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 these cons are like the future and we're going to do for this summer or something like that i'd be like okay this seems like cool and reasonable but this is just too ambitious like i just I look at their plan and I'm like, it's too ambitious. This can't work, right? Who are they going to partner with to be able to get in there? Like, how are they going to convince people to come to this? I just don't think it can happen. It can't happen 15 weekends in a row. I think there's got to be duplicate, right? Like, there's got to be an esports tournament one weekend and then another one the next weekend. Like, oh, you miss, you couldn't make it to this one. You can come to this one. Yeah, so okay, sure. Know. But, like, so, like that's fine. They can do that and they can have the same vendors 15 times and maybe they can have some like local celebrities do meet and greets 15 times, but it's, you know, the kind of people that are willing to do stuff like that and the kind of events that people are happy to put on 15 weekends in a row aren't the kind of things that actually get people to come out. Just given the number of weekends in a row, and this is all speculative, so maybe we should stop speculating and I should stop letting my mind run wild. But I, I, I do sort of think, Maybe thinking about it in terms of cons, like little mini cons, is probably or maybe too aggressive. One hundred and fifty thousand square feet, Craig. There's yeah, that's nothing mini so about it. Big. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because I'm sort of thinking in my mind that the space is smaller than that, and it's sort of like the pop up shop of cons. Like you don't necessarily need a bunch of people there to sign stuff if it's just like, hey, we're gonna have a bunch of people here, like selling cool shit and some artifacts and stuff and you can come in and check it out pay a few bucks to come check it out but we have no clue we have no clue what's planned we have no idea like i said i i think it it could be an awesome idea to do something like this but you can't do it 15 weeks in a row this summer yeah i don't know just that can't happen there's got to be some wrinkle to the plan that we're just not thinking about that bart blastine is happy to just or venturous partners or someone is happy just to hemorrhage money this summer I mean, that's I just can't the only thing that would make sense. There's got, I, I am, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the optimistic person and say there's some angle we're not thinking about. Maybe that's just my, the fact <laughs> that they had a cool splash page and I liked it. So now it had, now I it wanted, had peanut world on it. Well, that was Venturis's splash page, which also yeah, excited yeah. me. Their, their site has a picture of the boardwalk with peanut world prominently featured. And I was just like, the yes. worst store in the world. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, it seems like they're getting a pretty full run of the place with 150,000 square feet. So, I mean, here's the thing. If it's like something like even remotely interesting and if the ticket prices are like remotely reasonable, like it's something that sure. I'd love to walk through it for an hour. If it costs me $10 to get a ticket to go in and just see what's going on. But even if it's something like that, it's going to be depressing in there because there's going to be no one there. <laughs> uh, man. But we have so little information. Yeah, well, we'll see. All right. Well, are we ready to close this thing out? This has been the longest episode ever. It has definitely not been the longest episode ever, but it's long.
All right. So if you're interested in talking with us or any of our other listeners or people who love Atlantic City, uh, you can join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Uh, you can find all of our extremely great content at doverwin.com, uh, which is really just our podcast. With links but, to articles. Yeah, that's true. If you want to read the links to the articles or see our maybe two stories a year that we actually post on there. Uh, if you want to if you want to listen to our podcast, you've done a good job. But just in case you don't know how this has happened, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and maybe YouTube. Uh, uh, I tried uh, and I got a, an exporting error, so I gave up. Uh, but I'll try again. All right. And you can reach out to us at Twitter on Twitter at do for a win or send questions to us at do for a win at gmail.com. Um, I don't know. Any last words? No. Good luck. If you're going to Atlantic city, as always, uh, if you have thoughts on the AC fan expo, either positive or negative, share them in the Facebook group and we'll talk about it. Although I yep. think quite a few of you have already voiced your opinion yeah. <laughs> and it hasn't been very positive. So well, we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure when we'll have the next episode because, like I said, maybe we'll try to have some guests on, or maybe not. But you know, we'll talk to you guys sometime in the next couple weeks. In a perfect world, I'd like our episodes to be like 55 or something, but I just don't think that's reasonable, especially with me purposely trying to derail us to talk about random shit at the beginning of the episodes.